Lessons and Carols is great. I, I love it because it, it is the story of, of Christmas. Our culture has a lot of different interpretations of what that looks like. Um, but this is, as I mentioned at the beginning of our time together, just a succinct way for us to understand what that what Christmas means, because Christmas means Jesus Christ. It means his coming. And the passages that you've heard read speak to why, it, why he had to come. Our own being pulled away from God, our own stubbornness, our own resistance to that. And then it, but the Lord didn't let us go. He launched an amazing rescue mission that has culminated in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. And I love what John's gospel says about this, what Kate just read, because it is John being pretty direct about what this means. He says, in him was life, meaning Jesus. And in that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A little bit later, John continues with that theme of light and darkness. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. I love the image of light and dark because it is so specific. It, it, it brings us into the meaning of, of, of what it means to have Christ. He comes in to bring our life, to say, that, and, and John just declares this world has a darkness to it. And I don't know about you, but when I first hear that, I can imagine a certain pushback. It's like, well, okay, the world isn't what we want it to be yet, but, you know, we're, we're trying to trend up. We're doing our best. It's not as bad as all that. I mean, look at the things that are around us, the beauty of creation, in a few days, this rain will stop and the snow will stop. And if you have an opportunity, you would be used to go up to Tahoe area to get on one of those mountains to see the new snow, newly fallen, look out over the vista, hopefully taken Tahoe. And you would be singing a doxology to the glory of God for the beauty of his creation. It is amazing God has made. The world isn't or just a bit of music. The carols that we've sung together, the way that the praise team has put that together, the way that you, you have, each of us has our own favorite pieces of music. And when we get to connect with it, there's a, a sublime experience. Like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for music. We have friends, we have family, we have people that we can go to, connect with. And that lifts us up. And we can be this for them. This world isn't really that, is it? is consequential. It's what, when John says there's darkness, what, what exactly does he mean? He means this. The, a world that is in darkness is a world that is apart from God, that is separated from connection with him, from the relationship that he offers and that he brings, and the, the relationship that Jesus came to earth to to model his relationship with his heavenly father and to also encourage us and to exhort us and to model that we would have also a relationship with his heavenly father through him. This is really, are we connected to Christ or are we 
away from him. Even if we are away from him, know that we are not necessarily where we should be. Things could be better than they are. We know that, that all those things that I just said, that we enjoy in life, beauty and nature and meaningful relationships, all have a tentativeness subject to change without notice. The music that we like can be changed or in some ways less fulfilling. The relationship we have of us, or many of us, I think, over these last few years have experienced some, some change in those. This life is tentative. So, is a dark to the that it is apart from God, to the extent that it doesn't know Him. And we know that instinctively in some part of our world. We know that it's not what it's supposed to be. One country's attacking another. One business to another business turns out to be fraudulent. Disagreements arrive people that are supposed to find solutions and rancor becomes the dominant part of the, the news cycle rather than finding something that works for people. There's a lot going on. But you know the ultimate sign referring to the separated from Christ himself in this world we know that all of us here will die one day. We know that this life is tenuous. It is not to be, it is not the place that we were meant to be. When we came away from God in, in the garden, and that's what that first reading was about, Genesis, we, we, there's a whole series of things that God, we got separated from the one who loves us, separated from the one who gives us life, separated from the one who in all things, all things hold together. And he longs that we would return and experience the joy and the peace that passes understanding. To be with him once again. Scripture calls it a garden, a garden of Eden. But the place where Jesus is, the place where God, the heavenly father is, is the place where there is no death. But the ultimate sign of darkness is in fact death. And even though we know it, we want to persist in that. There's times where we think, oh yeah, okay, things need to be fixed and these are things that are challenges, but they and these challenges can be overcome. We have our own solutions to fix such things. Sometimes we, we do make progress. Healthcare does get better in the sense. We're making scientific advances. We're finding out more things that are beneficial to other people. That can lull us into a bit of a sense of, of thinking, you know, if I just do more of that, if I'm just a little bit more thoughtful, loving, collaborative, enlightened, spiritual, these problems that I see right now will be overcome at some point in the future. But none of those will overcome death, despite the great ambitions of transhumanism, which has its own sort of uh, epicenter here in where we live. But you see, the problem is not what's around us. This darkness is a darkness that's actually inside of us. The dark, it's a darkness that says, you know, we, we often, we, when we think of darkness in this world, and we think of people that can represent that by what they do or by their, 
they're being different uh, or, or being violent in some way. We, we think of what they're doing. We don't want to admit that there's things in our lives, in our heart, our very heart, the very center of who we are is not necessarily the place that we want to be if we're really honest. We'd like to think that we are full of charity and full of uh, love and full of forgiveness, but let's be honest, we're really not. You know, when, when somebody, when we step on somebody's toe or we, we say something that hurts them, we want forgiveness. We want them to be merciful to us. We want to hear the words that say, you know, that's okay. I know you didn't mean it. Or even if you did mean it, I still love you. We, we want to hear that. But when they've offended us, we want the full measure of what they are. We want Oh, no, I, I, you don't get forgiveness that easy. You're not, my, my mercy is not like immediate. I might think about it, but I need you to, to bear the full weight of what you've done to me. We want mercy for ourselves, but we're judgmental towards others. Or another way, sometimes there's where, where you get together, you're in a, a friend group or a work team, something like that. You say, well, if we're doing this, everybody has to chip in. We have to be that have some dark places in them. We might think, I'm all for like somebody to be more sacrificial. More people can be sacrificial than maybe I have to give less or I don't have to give immediately. We want other people to go first. Judgment over mercy, self over others. These are just little examples of the things that John is when he talks about salvation from God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the, the Nobel candidate, but also the one who served many years in the Soviet Gulag, Gulag Archipelago, wrote this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes of people, nor between parties, but instead it passes right through have this place that needs the light of Christ. We all have this place that needs the light that only he can bring. The darkness that John speaks of is the darkness that our ancestors, the legacy of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, the first ones and only ones who dwelled in the presence of God in the beginning of time. But they chose their way over his. They chose to violate the love and the deepest connection that God offered and therefore, they could not remain in that presence of pure love and holiness. And the story of Christmas is the story of coming to this world as an infant to do for what we not do for ourselves, to restore the relationship with God. That is to enable us to live as we're meant to live. The reason that darkness, you know, the, the greatest representation of darkness is death. We were not meant to die. But we were meant to live forever, and the only way we can do that is to live with the Creator who made all of this to begin with. And that's why Jesus comes, to help us do that. You know, our culture gets that partially right. And when you hear stories of Christmas, they are redemptive stories. They're stories of people that, that are, are wounded or isolated by circumstances or burned by life. And they, they cannot change. They, life cannot be different other than it is at that point. And it takes someone or some 
outside to change them. And that's the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. And that's George Bailey. And that's the story of the island of misfit toys and the Grinch and Elf and perhaps the spate of New Year's Christmas specials that are coming out this year. Apparently, Lindsay Lohan is starring in one. And she is, they don't, you know, I'm not making this up. She's the heiress of, and she's a spoiled heiress, as heiresses are typically depicted. And she gets knocked on the head, and she gets amnesia. So the man she was going to be engaged to is no longer the man she remembers. But she's by a humble lodge operator who nurses her back to health. And in true Christmas fashion, that love story, that sign of redemption. Not redemption from a Christian perspective, but the life that she was on, the track that she was on, is now changed for something better. Our culture gets it partially right in the story of redemption, but the characters and the people are very different. So the redemption story that we're talking about, of course, is the story of Jesus. And in the readings that you heard, Jesus is and in two ways. He's presented the king that he is. When, when Jason read that he is called Wonderful Counselor and he is called Everlasting Father and he is called Mighty God, these are titles of These are titles that say the king is coming. He's the Wonderful Counselor, the one who knows the way, the way that we need, the course of human history, what, where we will be in the end. And he knows the way for each of our lives and what we need. He's the everlasting Father, the one who watches out over us, who protects us, who will be there, who will not fail. He is almighty. Centuries trying to put a merely because the prophet not allowed and God has not allowed that. God has sent his only son who is truly divine, who is a king. Coming into this kingdom. By that, that's sort of Bible language for he will reign. He will rule forever. And the light that he offers us is the opportunity to be in that kingdom where there is light. He's presented that way as king, but he's also presented as coming as a child. The gospel readings that were read later on. And he comes as a child for a variety of reasons, but first to experience life as we live it. In this fallen and challenging world, a world that we suspect in various places is not the world that we were intended to inhabit. He comes to show us that he knows what it's like to be us. Sure, he's different. He's born of a virgin and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. So there's that divinity, but he also shares our humanity. He takes... And his mission, which is what Easter is about, but he takes the worst darkness that humans have thought of and he takes it on himself through the cross and through his death. He dies in our place that, that the punishment that our ancestors once experienced is now taken care of. The price has been paid for that. We can once again return through the work of Christ to God our Father, to be back where we've been, where we were originally intended to be. Actually, even better, the new Jerusalem, the scripture calls it, where God dwells in approachable light, where when we are with God in, in eternity, there is no more death, there's no more crying, there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more day and no more night because we are with the Lord. We are with the light of life. We are with the true God. 
And so let me invite or encourage a response to this reflection. Here's a bonus reading to the ones we've read so far. It's from Luke 1, which we've heard a, a couple selections from tonight, but it's called Zachariah's Song. Zachariah says this amongst his praise to God. In the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love the imagery that's being presented. Once again, light versus darkness, only this time it's in the dawn. You know what it's like before the sun comes up? Maybe it's been a while for some of you to see the sun come up. Maybe that's just autobiographical. I don't know. But when it's dark, you can't see much of yourself if you put your hands out there and you can't really see the landscape around you. But you know that dawn is coming. And you see that first glimmer of light over the horizon. The dawn from on high, referring to Jesus, will break upon us. And let dawn be that symbol to us that Jesus comes in. And as we wait for the dawn, we know that that light gradually increases that it becomes, uh, illuminates things more and more. If we've been in sort of pitch darkness, then we begin to see it, and as it grows, we can see ourselves. Like, oh, yeah, okay, right? Landscape around us. And then we can see, you know, the sun. So let me encourage, this is my prayer for each of us as we press into the true story of Christmas. My prayer is that we let the dawn from on high break upon each of us, that the light of light would more and more illuminate us so we would know who we really are, that we would know what truly lies before us, and perhaps the far country that God is calling us to that may be different, more life-giving than what we're experiencing, and that we would see the one, see Jesus, the one who is life himself and light himself and who has opened us the way. 